Chapter Five of the Pocket Measure by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Five: Interrogation Points. Then the ladies looked at each other again. Mrs. Evans could not resist the temptation to laugh a little. She had never been statistical before, and she was vaguely surprised and a good deal amused that the results were so small. As for Mrs. Bacon, her face expressed as much annoyance as a well-bred face allows itself to show in a lady's parlor. It is possible that she had been brought face to face with inexorable figures before. "'I think I must be obtuse,' she said, speaking coldly, "'but I fail to see as yet any plan proposed by which more can be raised than we can secure in this way.' Mrs. Spafford laid aside her pencil and paper. I beg your pardon, she said courteously. I did not propose to interfere with your plans. I was talking for my own information as much as anything. I have been led to think a good deal about these matters of late, and I was wondering whether a much more comfortable way would not be to raise the money at once. Oh, undoubtedly. You need not fear any opposition as to that opinion. Mrs. Bacon said, with a little laugh that was almost disagreeable. I assure you we don't bake cake and prepare refreshments merely for amusement. We are capable of entertaining ourselves in pleasanter ways. We would very much prefer to raise the money outright if it could be done, but the lamentable fact is that it cannot. I don't see why. Mrs. Spafford was not one to be turned aside from her purpose by a bit of sarcasm. What would have flushed Mrs. Evans' cheek and hushed her voice, only roused in this woman a determination to prove her point? Now, let me suppose, for the sake of the illustration, that you have twenty ladies who will assist in getting up this entertainment, at an expense to themselves, exclusive of their time, of fifty cents each. Is that sufficiently low, Mrs. Bacon? That lady, under direct appeal, was obliged to admit that she should be surprised to get off with so little personal expenditure as that. That is, she added, if you count cake and such things, I have never been accustomed to taking note of such trifling expenditures. Whereupon Mrs. Evans immediately thought of her husband, and of his stormily expressed wish that people ever would calculate such expenditures. Then, according to your estimate, something of this sort must be resorted to four or five times before the amount is raised. Now, why would not the twenty ladies rather pledge themselves to give, say, fifty cents a month, for ten months, and save their strength and their dresses? My dear madame, I am afraid you are a novice in church work. Mrs. Evans, how would you like to go around to our ladies and make such a bold proposition as that? Wouldn't you be afraid of being told that they were capable of expending their own money without our assistance? Mrs. Evans's cheeks were crimson, and she evidently knew not what answer to make, so her hostess, feeling sorry for her, came to the rescue. I don't believe she is afraid of any such thing. Surely no lady would be guilty of such language. Besides, it is really a trifle less than you are preparing to do, if I understand your mission. You propose to ask the ladies to take the fifty cents and spend it on a cake, and spend their strength in making it, and then come and wait on people while they eat it. Surely my proposition is the simpler of the two. 
"'But then, you know, we only ask it for once,' ventured Mrs. Evans. "'Ah, yes, but that doesn't pay the debt, doesn't begin to pay it, and, of course, their penetration is equal to seeing that they will be called upon again and again in the same direction.' "'But, my dear Mrs. Spafford, you don't understand.' People who would be annoyed by the very suggestion that they ought to give money will bake beautiful cake for us. You see, they don't realize that it is the same as money, and so they are willing to help in that way when you cannot get a cent of money out of them. Mrs. Spafford, who had been conducting the conversation up to this point in a half-laughing way, was grave enough now as she said, gently, "'Isn't that one of the objections to these ways of raising money?' Self-deceived people, who have never given much thought to domestic economy, are led into cake-makings that they can ill afford, under the mistaken impression that they are giving for the cause of Christ, and other people come to festivals and buy their cake and cream and mats and tidies, under the mistaken impression that they are giving to the church, when in reality they are receiving a full and fair equivalent for their money. Where is the real giving in any of these plans? "'Well,' said Mrs. Bacon, "'I'm sure I don't profess to understand all these nice points. Mrs. Evans and I have been appointed by the church to do its drudgery, and I suppose we must do it, leaving to you school-teachers the discussion of metaphysics.' Mrs. Spafford's eyes danced mischievously. Her caller's ideas regarding metaphysics were evidently mixed. But she saw that it would be wisdom to leave the subject.' "'Well,' she said brightly, "'I didn't mean to discuss domestic economy, or church economies either, when I commenced. I hope you will have success in your mission. As for myself, I will bake the two cakes, or give the dollar, whichever you say. Of course, as a matter of economy, I would rather give the dollar. Yet I am willing to do the other way, if it will please you better.' and if you decide to make an effort for the money instead of the cake, you may count me as one of the ladies pledged to fifty cents a month for ten months. Or, let me see, you are paying interest, I suppose? Then we ought to say for twelve months. That would cover the interest, and leave a little bit of a surplus for something else. Then she turned at once from the entire subject, and began to question in regard to other matters. What sort of benevolent work was the church doing? Had they a sewing society? She saw a great many poorly clad children as she went up and down the streets. Were they in the Sabbath school? Didn't they need clothing? Were their parents attending any church? Was the church interested in home mission work? Were the prayer meetings well attended? Had they a ladies' prayer meeting? A perfect storm of questions. Mrs. Evans gave up the slightest attempt at answer, and sat a silent and interested listener, while Mrs. Bacon attempted to impart information. As to poor children, there were swarms of them belonging to worthless people for whom nothing satisfactory could be done. She was not aware that any organized effort had been made to reach them. Oh, dear, no! The parents never thought of attending church. Home mission work? Oh, yes, of course an annual collection was taken for home missions. She really didn't know how much was contributed. No, it wasn't sent to any special field, so far as she knew, just applied for the general good. A ladies' prayer meeting? No, their ladies, not being Quakers, 
had no objection to attending prayer meeting in company with their husbands. She really could not say whether the general prayer meeting was well attended or not. It was such a long walk for her, and Mr. Bacon was so late in getting from the city, that they rarely got to prayer meeting. A trifle embarrassing were many of the questions. It was so apparent, even to Mrs. Bacon, that, efficient woman that she was, when put through a regular course of cross-examination, she knew very little about the practical work of the church. "'Did you hear anything like it?' was her exclamation to Mrs. Evans, almost before their hostess's door had closed after them. "'Calculating the price of the sugar and flour and milk that are used in cake. She must be a mercenary little body anyway.' but then I suppose, poor thing, her circumstances make it necessary. That is one of the difficulties inseparably connected with poverty. People grow so small in their reasonings, narrow down their lives to such trivial calculations. The price of a cup of sugar and a few eggs. Dear me, isn't it depressing? Mrs. Evans's answer was an inarticulate murmur. She was unaccountably interested in the brisk little accountant and her deft figures. What if she should be able to learn of this woman, so as to make figures, that their weekly expenses would come within the week's legitimate allowance, and so remove the wrinkles from Dane's forehead? If she thought that, she would certainly ask to become her pupil. Thinking it over, she gained courage to offer a timid demur. But Mrs. Bacon, she seemed very willing to help after all, and was as liberal as most people. You know she said she would pledge herself to give fifty cents a month until the debt was paid. I don't believe we could find a great many other ladies who would do the same. Mrs. Bacon laughed. She doesn't believe we would either. She is entirely safe in making the proposition. That sort of giving is easy. For instance, I would just as soon as not offer to be one of fifty to give a thousand dollars for a new church to be built this season. Do you suppose I would ever be called upon to pay it? But fifty cents a month isn't so very much, said Mrs. Evans doubtfully, disturbed by the speciousness of the illustration, yet unwilling to give Mrs. Spafford over as a quick-witted hypocrite. Oh, no, it isn't much. It sounds like a very business-like suggestion, but it would involve endless rounds by committees, and much talking, and amount to very little in the end. Some of us, of course, will have to give a great deal more than that, to make up for the delinquencies of others. But as I said, it sounds well. Besides, teachers are so accustomed to a sort of red-tape arrangement of matters, you know, that it seems to them, reasoning from their narrow spheres, as though everything in life could be reduced to figures and added and subtracted. Poor Mrs. Evans thought, with a weary sigh, that almost everything in her life had been reduced to figures, and that an alarming subtracting process was always going on, but she had said all that in her timidity she dared to say in defense of Mrs. Spafford. Save this, born partly of her own mental wanderings over the matter, and partly because of an earnest desire to suppress gossip. Cousin Jenny must have been mistaken in her surmise that they were very poor, for she was as ready to make the cake or give its equivalent as any lady could be. Oh, as to that, I don't know. She is probably one who has resolved to make as good a showing as she can out of nothing. 
and what she lacks in funds make up in argument. Some people will do almost anything to maintain, before the public, a position that is not theirs by right. This sentence made her companion wince inwardly. Truth to tell, she was sometimes troubled with grave doubts as to whether she and Dane were not trying to do that very thing. And she wished, within her weary soul, that she could find her own level, wherever it was, and step down into it and be at peace. But she went home, and in due time went into her kitchen, and measured her flour, and weighed her butter and sugar, and beat her eggs, and stirred her rich compound with skillful hand. There was one redeeming feature about cake, she knew how to make it. She felt almost certain of the result. Her practiced eye could tell by a critical glance at the sticky compound, whether there was just flour enough, or whether it needed a trifle more and her practiced hand could tell by the very feel of the spoon in the mass whether it had been stirred to just the right degree of lightness. The obnoxious Kate was engaged at that very hour in molding the bread, and as she looked with doubtful eyes on the soggy lump that Kate was tossing and rolling and thumping her red knuckles into, the mistress wished, from the depths of her heart, that she knew as much about that suspicious-looking lump as she did about the batter before her. She felt certain that the results of such knowledge would have brought smiles to Dane's face. But alas, she knew nothing about bread. So Kate pounded away, making her sour mass of dough grow every minute more soggy, and the skilled mistress prepared her tins and dropped her batter skillfully into it, and felt of the heat in the oven, still with a practiced hand, and held like a general at her post through all the processes, until her loaves came out just the requisite shade of creamy brown. Then, while Kate went to the cellar for coal, she hurriedly lifted the cloth and gave a surreptitious glance at the lump of dough. It looked discouraging and smelled uninviting, and she turned from it sighing and went away. By this time you are aware that the project for raising the money without the cake was not carried out. In fact, it was not considered for a moment. I am not sure that any besides the cake committee even heard of it. Mrs. Bacon chose not to say anything about it, and Mrs. Evans had not moral courage enough to do so unhelped by others. Therefore, Mrs. Spafford's skillful figures, so far as she knew, dropped uselessly into oblivion. It was not so. They lingered in the troubled young housekeeper's heart. Her perplexities did not lessen. She was inclined to think, before she finished her rich cake, that Mrs. Spafford's estimate had been entirely too low, and so indeed it was, for her individual cake. She knew nothing about averages. The weekly accounts loomed up before her larger than ever. The wrinkles in her husband's forehead seemed daily to grow, and he studied the morning paper more industriously and conversed less. The festival was held, and Mrs. Evans's dishes were lent to help set the table, and two of her delicate cups were dashed into fragments. She had not the courage to suggest that they be replaced before the pattern became obsolete. Besides, she was one of the unfortunate victims on whom the traditional cup of coffee spilled, 
and of course she wore to the festival a dress that coffee stains hopelessly ruined. She looked at it ruefully, one of her bridal stock of dresses, and calculated what it would cost to replace that in her wardrobe, and her eyes opened by Mrs. Spafford's figures, she could not help sitting down and deliberately calculating how much she could have paid toward the church debt, supposing she had known that two of her cups and one of her dresses were to be added to the cake, and was alarmed at the sum total, and resolved, then and there, that at the very first opportunity she would certainly learn from Mrs. Spafford exactly how she managed both the household expenses and the cake question. For Mrs. Spafford came to the festival, and with her came two cakes, as carefully made and as satisfactory in results, as were Mrs. Evans's own. She belonged to the class of workers who, failing in leading in what they firmly believe would be a better way, are able gracefully to drop into the accepted way, doing heartily their share, often more than their share, even though the way of doing it is not of their choosing, biding their time, and looking steadily to an improved future. Such people invariably become leaders in the end. One bit of information did Mrs. Evans seek. Do you know Mr. Spafford? she asked her husband, on one of those mornings when he read his paper less than usual. Spafford, who clerks it for the Holdens? Yes, I know him when I meet him on the streetcar. We have never been formally introduced, but we chat together coming up. He is an intelligent fellow. I enjoy talking with him. Do you know what his salary is? This question was timidly put, Whatever had to do with money, either directly or remotely, was sure to bring the wrinkles. They came creeping up his forehead at this moment, and he answered in a changed tone. I do, to a penny. He gets six hundred dollars a year. Six hundred? Exactly that, and commenced housekeeping on a surplus of two hundred and fifty, which he had saved, goodness knows how, and doesn't owe a penny and I get a thousand a year, and run behind all the time. Perhaps his wife has money? This was Mrs. Evans's tremulous suggestion, and at that moment she almost felt as though she would sell her right arm for the sake of being a wife who had money. The gloomy-faced husband shook his head vigorously. No, she hasn't. I knew Carrie Howell, by reputation at least. She supported her mother for years, and was considered a marvel for the way in which she managed. People used to wonder how she kept herself and her mother looking so trim and comfortable, and their little home sunny. There is witch work about some people's lives. I never could understand it, and I don't want to try. Just pass me that paper, please. And he gave himself to the study of current items. End of chapter 5